Are you okay? For Are You Okay Day, swap your morning coffee for a catch-up with someone in your LinkedIn network. You never know how far a conversation can go on LinkedIn. This podcast is brought to you by LinkedIn. Ribbit Ribbit and welcome to the Lilypad, an unforgettable fortnightly dive into topics important to you. I'm your host. Have you been having strange dreams too? Luke. And this week, we're joined by adult entertainer and part-time himbo, Max Arian. Thank you for hopping onto the pod. Thank you for having me. Wait, something's really weird this time. Bumble, Bumblebee, we just finished the entire intro. And? Well, usually like some, I don't want to say goes wrong, but something <laughs> usually goes goes wrong. What do you mean by goes wrong? We've we've had like wrong guests, copyright. I've kind of gotten used to not getting through the whole intro. <laughs> Can you see I'm texting? Like this is not the right time, Luke. I know, but who are you texting while we record the episode anyway? It's... Oh, I'm just texting Anne. Anne Howie. Yeah, Anne Howie. She's um she's told me so many funny stories about you. You guys went to band camp? No, no, we did not. Don't listen to anything, anything <laughs> that Anne Howie says. There are photos to prove it, Luke. Oh my gosh. Is that a trombone? What? No. Okay. Well, I'm going to interview our guest now. So I guess you can just keep texting or, or whatever. <laughs> oh, Anne. Oh, yeah. Appreciate it, babes. Hopping along, singing a song, talking to folks about what's going on. From my pond to yours, the lily pad. Thank you again for making time to um, chat to us this week. I really appreciate it. And I think during lockdown here in Melbourne, people were probably potentially discovering your work for the first time. <laughs> Maybe. It's a high rotation time. A lot like podcasting, people imagine that making studio produce pornography is a sexy, glamorous experience. Uh, but the reality of podcasting and I guess potentially pornography and, and, and explicit content is quite different from that. I think a really common question people always want to ask is what is an actual shoot like on the day, the reality of it? Well, I, it, it's also different studio to studio as well. Like I've only worked for Lucas Entertainment and they do things kind of, I consider a little bit maybe old school. They shoot on location in really nice, exotic, beautiful places like yeah. Mexico and Spain and stuff. So we get flown over there because I'm coming from Australia. It's usually like a 10 day to 14 day shoot for me. I don't, I'm not shooting every day, but I go there usually for the whole time and they yeah. get as many scenes as they can out of me while I'm there. <laughs> um, Cause I've only like, I've only really been doing porn since like 2018 and obviously last year industry shut down and the borders shut down here in Australia for me. So I think in that time I did like 16 scenes or something like that. So it's not a lot of mm. time for a lot of content and um, usually it's like day on day off the way I work because they're maximizing the time that they have me on set and yeah it's it's a lot of work <laughs> it's a lot of work <laughs> yeah. and, it's, and it's like there's sexy aspects to it like obviously my co-stars are like gorgeous 
gorgeous. You're, I've seen you in like castles and, and yeah, (laughs) exactly. That's what I mean. Like you're in a gorgeous location, gorgeous guys, but like, it's not, it's work as well. Like, and, and they make pains to make it look like a glamorous, beautiful holiday, but you're, you're there to work really hard. And sometimes you're in, you're in the middle of nowhere. So it's not like you get off work and you can go to a restaurant or something like that. You're just on set eating, Chicken breast and broccoli with all the other porn stars trying like to get their macros break or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it it is it's a lot more it's a lot more personable and fun. You make lots of friendships, um, and that's kind of what I wasn't expecting as much. It kind of it feels like porn summer camp. At least I was the just going to say it. it sounds like a camp vibe where yeah. you're like we'll have these memories forever. <laughs> yeah, and some people are there for a really short time because they're doing other gigs or they're doing. Um, other studio work and they're flying in and out or they're such big names that they're only there for like one scene but because i was starting out they got their money's worth from yeah. from me they make the most out of it you've been a busy busy man yeah, very busy. <laughs> what, do you ever get asked to do like sorry this is such a a, a childish question but yeah do they ever ask for like retakes because when when i do this pod sometimes i'm like can you do that again and just yeah, like- yeah yeah they do and they don't the, the setup, like dialogue stuff, sometimes takes a few takes. All the scenes that I've done usually have a little bit of that. And I'll be the, usually one of the only English fluent speakers in my yeah. scene. So, so like everyone else's lines are yes and stuff like that. Whereas I'm doing the full setup of this is the <laughs> exposition of why we're having sex. You're doing um, a monologue. Yeah. <laughs> and they often get you to reshoot that several times. And what's hilarious is like, we never have, I've never been given a script. I've been on sets where they've used scripts, but I haven't been in those scenes. But, and they want you to do it word for word the same. And my brain just doesn't work like that if I'm yeah. improving, I'm just trying to hit the certain beats. So you get you get a lot of reshoots for that um, with your awkward porn dialogue. Um, the only <laughs> other thing that happens sometimes actually on set is there might be a really good moment, particularly in group sex, obviously there's lots of moving parts. So there might be a moment that they kind of get you to recreate. Like they don't want everyone switching partners yet. They want to they mm. want to see that coupling or or whatever. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Otherwise it's like the, the other big truth is, though, is, like, for each, I don't know, section or shot or whatever, like, it looks like we're going, like, hammer and tongs the whole time. For, like, but, 40 minutes straight or yeah, something. But yeah, but it's not it's not like that. Like, you you might, like, have, like, 20 minutes of, like, really rigorous, cardio-heavy, sweaty sex. And then everyone needs a break. Cameraman also needs a break. Everyone has, like, a, like <laughs> yeah. I don't know, a Gatorade or a Red Bull. And, like, you, you physically need to cool off because you're going red in the face and your makeup's yeah. running. I think um, I've seen that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's sliced together into such a neat, tiny, tight, shiny package. Um, but mm. the reality is, is it's just like real life. Sex is like messy and interesting and funny and things happen that are unexpected. And that definitely still happens on a porn set. Like you're slipping over lube all the time. Yeah. It's a reality of what it's you're doing. It's just like podcasting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I did actually notice that in like group scenes in particular, sometimes you'll be watching it and you'll spot over there there's something i i yeah sometimes i'm looking at the background more than what's in focus or like yeah. i realize oh this the, like the decoration of this couch is really awful whatever so group scenes are more like that dynamic looks good over there and then you sort of see it cut into that scene again so 
it's it's good to get a, a peek behind the the porn curtain there. Totally. And the other thing that happens in group scenes is you can hide and rest for a while. I think <laughs> guilty of that. I think I think listeners could play spot the lazy max sometimes because there are there have been times where I've just been in the back being like do 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 let's have a break for a while. Wow. <laughs> that's so that's kind of like if we keep the summer camp analogy going. That's like when you get a group assignment. And, yeah, you know, you can be the person that chimes in at the end. Yeah, and this is the- my presentation. Didn't do yeah. that much work. Yeah. I actually interview quite a few performers on this show. A lot of my friends are in drag or we've got a music special episode coming up soon. And something that's similar, I think, across a lot of those are that there's a separation between what they do and who they are totally. when they're performing and when they're off the clock. Do you do the same thing with yourself and and making porn? Do you see that as a completely separate persona to to who you are? Yes and no. I think Max is a persona. It's also a persona that I haven't cultivated in the same way as someone that does drag or other maybe other kinds of performance because when you are the talent in porn, you show up and you do your work and you're having sex in a certain way, you're following direction. They're throwing the buzz things into the scene whether or not that's like stepdad home for vacation toys whatever it is and like I, i say this and it's not necessarily a negative thing as a porn performer you're so far down on that totem pole that like they're in charge of how you're cultivated so i feel like max as i appear in studio porn is is a little bit different to Max on my OnlyFans or on my social media, and that's different to my civilian life. But at the yeah. same time, there's commonality too. I am really dorky. I'm a big nerd. I am really passionate about things. And in some ways, I try to foster that in studio porn and show that I'm connected and present with scene partners. And particularly my porn persona, it feels very separate sometimes. And particularly now that I've been out of the industry for over 12 months, like clips and stuff will come up on my Twitter and I'm like, oh, I barely remember that. Like, That's I, like a, yeah. Do you find you have to have a little bit of separation too in terms of how people interact with you as, as well? Totally. I could imagine people would have a perception of what's appropriate to say to you, for example, and, and what sort of conversations they can have with you because of the work you do. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's really complicated. And it gets really volatile really quickly as well. Yeah. On a platform like OnlyFans or something, obviously people are paying for my time so I can interact with them in certain ways. Like my DMs are constantly full of people mm. sliding in with different levels of explicitness or appreciation. But like I have found, um, obviously not lately because we haven't been doing anything, but I know that like if I would like front up to parties or bars or events and things like that, people have an ownership of your body that is yeah. makes me really uncomfortable. I'm actually really quite shy and private, despite obviously being an exhibitionist that likes to get his rocks off in front of people. I can be... It can um, exist. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like the, the, the two can exist at once. So yeah, people have felt like really entitled to my body, borderlining on... I get, like harassment or sexual assault yeah. and you have to really put them in your place. And also I'm a shy person. So enforcing boundaries like that, give me anxiety as yeah, well. It's full on. It's, yeah. it, it's a lot. I'm the same. Like I'm extremely introverted, but uh, have kind of forced myself into this public sphere because I'm good at it. You yeah, know, it's, 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 it's what I, I'm good at doing. And so figuring out a way to, to walk that line, especially when, yeah, people, it's it's in the bars, not that 
we've seen one for, <laughs> for quite oh some God. time. Poor but, Melbourne boys. <laughs> yeah, people would approach you and you, you'd kind of be like, I really don't know what to do with this interaction. And I've seen people, other performers that have OnlyFans tweet about it and say, just because you recognize me from Twitter or the content that I post, it's not an invitation to be physical Correct. or or even to just open up that dialogue straight away. Like, I think there's a level of courtesy that kind of vanishes. Completely. <laughs> Completely. Which must be really hard to navigate. Yeah, because you can be there with friends and stuff like that. And that's not on the agenda. Like, it doesn't have to be a more sexy, queer, sex positive event. It could just be drinks with friends or something like that. Mm. And then people take it into that space and you're like, well, this is a lot. I'm here with my partner or I'm here with my best friend. I don't, like I'm not, I'm not here as Max right now, but yeah. but you have to, I, but I'm also appreciative of what I do too. Like I, I have a platform. I think it's very sexy to get people off. It's a very sexy, joyous thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think people kind of forget social etiquette. And I think it also connects to, and I know this is something that you've talked about before too, like that, that as queer people, we can become hypersexualized really quickly and mm. and high sex drives and horniness kind of become the norm and i know for myself i've reached a stage in my life where i've realized that oh no that's actually not maybe i don't have to be at that level all the time if i'm thinking yeah. like i i think when i was younger for me a lot of sex could sometimes be like oh maybe and it may and it took me a long while to realize a maybe isn't a yes so yeah. you need to like trust your gut and your instincts as to why you are a little bit nervous or you, you don't want to do it right now or the schedule doesn't line up, whatever it is. Between like hypersexualized, hook-up-y, like let's all have sex and have a really great time, sex positivity and porn, people kind of forget that part of sex positivity is letting people do things at their own pace as well. Yeah. The sex positivity conversation is such a emerging conversation as well. I think it's right. something that hasn't fully found its concrete legs and base. You know, there's waves of say like feminism, for example, yeah. and, and and they build off one another or they offshoot because they realize this part just simply doesn't work or like exactly. isn't applicable anymore. So I still think it's a, a very young conversation, especially for for queer people, because we're, we're figuring out our sexuality as we go and totally. we're basing it so much off of it, off of explicit content, because yeah. that's really the only place to, that's why that's why we're learning right that's why we're learning and we we get to an age and we have to unlearn some of it so yeah and i think it, porn, like studio porn is obviously different studios do it slightly different ways but like it's super penetrative it's it's not very romantic it's mm. usually white muscly bodies like there's a, there's a lot of things that have become the standard because that's like it's an industry they've got to make money they've got to sell they've got to get as many clicks as possible and now i think even more so that's why sometimes random things show up in scenes like there's cuckolding there's cheating on your partner there's like yeah. like secretly fucking behind a fridge door and like not like, in front of the salad right stuff. right because because <laughs> we want it's not enough just to have sex in front of a camera anymore we want more explicit content we want to push it further we want mm. every dildo that shaped every single way going in every single hole yeah. like more dicks more dp more everything and i've even I, seen one with cg now you yeah. know there's been like a renaissance in porn i think storytelling in the yeah. last few months where they really bought they're like they're like mini marvel films where yeah. it was like pulling off like this cg mask thing i thought someone really spent it i spent like 10 minutes writing scripts for this 
But I thought, <laughs> oh, someone probably spent about a day really planning out, hashing this, it out, this four-part kind of continuing unit, cinematic universe. And I and I think that there's like, like you always see that like split and divide against people that are like, I don't want narratives and porn and other people like i need to know why they're having sex (laughs) so i think i think there's a place for everything one thing that always makes me laugh is in those like little improv pre-scenes where you're setting up whatever it is and sometimes Mm. it's really complicated i was in one where like the daddy guy um logan rogue and then it was like his three stepsons which i was one of and him and i are (laughs) almost the same age so we were like well why don't we be boyfriends and then we have sex with our stepbrothers and we'll and that and that'll be the thing rather than this complicated let's explain Let's three wives classic, yeah classic right all right stepbrothers and, <laughs> classic stepbrothers story and then <laughs> and then what got published was just like daddy fucking his three boys anyway so it's like even though we had to like mm. navigate this dumb dialogue where like you've got to like be saucy but it has to be like step family connection like it's just that's stupid. really big at the moment isn't it, it it's daddies are in definitely yeah Oh my god, can you, Bumblebee, can you please switch your phone off while we record? You're just annoyed because I'm such good friends now with Anne, Chloe. No, I'm not. Oh my god, there is a video of you. Stop it. (laughs) Stop now, Bumblebee. Oh my god, it's an audition. Hi, my name's Luke, and I'm reading for the part of New York Guy for You've Got Mail 2, Out of Office. Do I just, do I just stop? Yes, read the lines. Good morning, shop girl. I was a little worried when I woke up uh, and I didn't see those magic what th- 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 Sorry, can I do that again? I'm conf- It's confusing. Look, we've been filming for an hour now. You know this is super important, Glenn. You never give me enough time. I need to shine with this. Don't cry. We've already gone through this so many times now. I know, but I d- get upset when you yell at me. Or cut me off and I gotta... What was that? You didn't, like, send that to anyone else, did you? Can we not... Can we just finish this interview? I really want to finish this. Okay, you're just upset with me because you're projecting your own embarrassment. I learned that from my new therapist, Jared. It's, like, really... No, I I don't even want... Bumblebee, can you wait outside again this episode? You're now outside for this one, too. Fine, babes. Hey, Anne. Oh, my God. You will not believe. Stop talking to her. Stop it. Sending me outside. Stop. I did actually want to chat to you about trends in the the industry. Uh, We've mentioned OnlyFans a few times in this conversation, and I think it showed this kind of interest in the more personal aspect of, of making porn. And there is less of that hyper-produced quality to it you know it it really showed people like watching other people get off and and there's something hot about seeing people do it on their own terms Uh, and I think I've started to notice that seep into studio produced porn because it's so like have you noticed much of an influence I think I have like I feel like OnlyFans is bleeding I think it's going both ways as well I think production values for some people producing content um, on OnlyFans or similar platforms is increasing because they're making bank on there. Yeah. And then got studio studios paying attention to the fact that people maybe don't want, I don't know, a six light set up on a butthole. Like, <laughs> like I think, I think people are 
finding what they want. I think there's nearly always an audience for certain things and, and people that are clever and feeling, I don't know, sexy and empowered and creative will find will find their way. But obviously like OnlyFans itself is like a interesting platform. They banned banned us and then they've flipped on that mm. um as well. So it's 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 really convoluted. But I, I feel like horniness will always find a way. <laughs> it's 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 the Jurassic Park of of industries. Right? Yeah. <laughs> we will evolve. The banning thing was really interesting because we actually did an episode on it on the other podcast. Yeah. Back in like 2018 when Tumblr did it. Yeah. And it seemed like almost identical, this kind of, it, it felt like a corporate handshake had happened somewhere and suddenly they decided we can't have, you know, quote unquote, smut on our, on our thing. And, and talking to some of my friends, they had no idea OnlyFans was used in any other way. They didn't know it was a platform for well, anything other than explicit content. And I've got to like, want, like I wonder that myself, right? Like, and, but then I guess I'm in, in terms of storming a teacup, my teacup is just sex work yeah. and porn. And like, it, there's a lot of body fluids in my teacup. But I think that, <laughs> I, I think that, I think the backflip has to do, because there was such a la- loud vocal backlash against it mm. from people on the platform, from users and fans on the platform, um, from activists, from peak bodies saying that this is the wrong decision. And a lot of it does have to do with the fact that major banks are pressured by conservative lobbying groups Mm. to not support sex work on their platforms. That's why PayPal, part of PayPal's success was that it was a really easy way for sex workers to get paid and stuff. And then a few years ago, they backflipped as well and said, no, we're a clean little platform. You can't do that. Um, mm. And like, it's really interesting because I think the Tumblr analogy is really apt as well, is that once upon a time, online environments that we were creating were like frontiers and as they gain popularity or form community, because Tumblr was a lot about community. Um, yeah, yeah. As that happens and they're used for sex work or sexual expression and things like that, the backlash against that. It's kind of like when a platform starts to gain its own independence almost when Correct. when the users start to when they, well they're shaping it right when then, when they're seemingly more in control of what's happening with a platform yeah. than potentially these shareholders or whoever is is bankrolling and it has a lot to do with like general whorephobia or and things like that because some sometimes it's very sensationalized as well. Like, cause Pornhub went through it recently too. Like these lobbying groups are like revenge porn is happening. Child porn is happening on these platforms. Bad, 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 bad. And those things are bad. And that's unfortunately um, when activists or sex workers speak up, the, these lobbying groups have the power to be like, well, then you're allowing Ad- child like porn advocating to exist. For these, yeah. um, when really it's, these are really complicated human problems that need a human solution, but instead it's it's let, like on Tumblr, the, the solution was to let an AI flag all the bad things. Um, my Tumblr back in the day was like a nerdy little creative writing place <laughs> yeah. where I would like put a, up a photo of like a sphinx and write a little story about that. And like that would get flagged as sexually explicit because there was boobies on the sphinx statue. And it's like, well, that's a classical piece of art. Like that, yeah. like, you got it wrong, AI. And I think that um, sometimes the payment stuff and um, the pressure these big banks feel from the lobbying really do 
fuck over sex workers. Mm. And like, that's the only thing is that until, until banks start changing their policies to include sex work and recognize sex work and recognize as work, it. yeah. it's not that we're fighting a losing battle, but th- this problem is going to keep on happening in different spaces in different ways. It's almost as classic a tale as two stepbrothers fucking right (laughs) is the corporate that old fable (laughs) that old fable is in different forms it'll just keep repeating as long as as a society at large we don't legitimize sex work exactly if we keep seeing it as something that like either a doesn't exist or b isn't real work we'll keep making it it'll it'll keep existing and it'll still want it (laughs) keep flourishing as well in new platforms it'll keep finding new ways to keep rolling well i think part of the reason that people in the OnlyFans example were so passionate in their activism is that literally 20 percent of every dollar that someone has made on there was going to OnlyFans. so they've, they've become successful the big banks are recognizing them and making these deals and then they were kicking us to the curb. So I think I know that there's other things brewing that are similar platforms that are more sex worker friendly, or at least positioning themselves to be created by sex workers for sex workers, rather than OnlyFans pretending that like, there are non-sex workers on OnlyFans completely. But I like pretend, <laughs> pretending that that is their bread and butter, I think is a little bit ridiculous. It's a it, it's like a what is it don't ask don't tell kind of vibe yeah. you know yeah, like totally. you can do it but don't we're not don't gonna want it <laughs> <laughs> that that's part of the problem even last year when the, the bella thorne stuff happened and there was all this, mm. this money issues and and only fans changed policies to protect themselves to the detriment of heaps of people on their platforms to the detriment of sex workers because business model wasn't set up for such large transactions and therefore they lost out on that and then it became everyone else's problem, which isn't yeah. fair either. But they've flip-flopped on this decision. Again, Is that yeah. right? Like at, at, as of now, they they have, which... As of now, we can still be on there, but it, I think it shows the vulnerability of mm. the community that can be cut off at any time. I, I'm making loose plans to move off the platform and particularly like what happened last year with um, Bella Thorne and, and recently even I think it was like... Cardi B or someone like that. Like there's been all these policy changes because big celebs are getting on there. People are signing up wanting racy stuff and that's not what they're doing on there. So I've been making loose plans to like maybe wean off OnlyFans and and find another platform. And I think that this decision, even though they backflipped on it, it kind of confirmed that, yeah, I probably need to do that long-term anyway. It might not be the right place long-term. Yeah. Yeah, And you got to find some way to post that sphinx sort of poetry yeah exactly <laughs> that's two step, two step brothers and a sphinx walk into a bar i always spot it do you know what i always spot when i'm watching porn is when one of the performers has like a pokemon or zelda uh, tattoo yeah, there, there are so many geeks in the industry and i'm always I- like Hey girl it's so easy to spot and then the narratives are always like hey dude do you want to go like, and I'm like, no way. You want to go guy, hunting at the gym with, with yeah. your jiggly puff tattoo. Get out of here. I know who you are. <laughs> you know, I always, always I, clock them. I just really want to do a scene one day where it's, where like, it's very like the joke is very meta and it's just like, 
hey, this is the setup to why we should have sex. Yes. And then we have sex. Like, that would be great. I, th- I think there's room for that. The kind of, <laughs> like, Mikel Gondry style, yes, yeah, yeah, Spike yeah, yeah, yeah. Jones. If you could do the eternal sunshine of the, of the, <laughs> the spotless mind. Yeah. But with lots of dicks. Yeah, I, I would <laughs> I would subscribe to, you know, and drip feed it out. Yeah, it just in ins- little installments. Yeah. Oh, there's been so many unfortunate choices of words throughout. I keep catching them as we're talking, being like dripping and... and- <laughs> the, the, pun, the puns are plenty when you start talking about porn. I actually remembered one other question I wanted to ask in regards right to the separating the work from life. Mm. I work in mental health. And so when I sort of finish a shift, I'm like, ugh, don't even talk to me about mental health. And even my own mental health, I'm not going to go see a psych because I've just spent nine hours with psychs. Yeah. Have you ever felt working in the sex industry, (laughs) like after doing like a shoot or going on a gay porn summer camp trip for 14 days, (laughs) coming back and just being like, ugh, sex, I don't want, I don't want anything to, do with that yeah totally i think that happens a lot because for me sex is like really joyous and fun and creative so if i'm not feeling that and i think the lockdown has done that to my mind a lot Mm. it's like if i'm not feeling sexy i don't really want to have sex and feeling sexy isn't just about like the body and the like it's it's sometimes like a, a it's your mental health state it's your inner monologue at the moment like one thing i'm trying to do for myself is just have less punitive or punishing thoughts because it's really easy at the moment to be like, you didn't get enough done or you need to post this to OnlyFans or get that on Twitter. So I'm just trying to be a little bit kinder to myself so that I can give space for those sexy, good feelings to, to come out when they're there. Like, like I was saying with sex positivity stuff is that people expect you to be like on and ready to go a lot. And I, and that creates even more of a dissonance. Like it's like, well, I'm not like, I'm not there. I'm not getting there anytime soon. So, and again, being a shy introvert is I kind of shut down. Like the really interesting thing is how many parallels start to pop up with other creative avenues and other people that I've talked to. Like that distance is is so similar to to being constantly asking you to be on or like a comedian. Yeah, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a drag race and drag fan. And sometimes yeah. when I hear them talk about their interactions with fans and things like that, it feels it feels very parallel feels, to porn. Yeah. And also that I guess it's brushing queer communities and, and things like that um, in the same way. People ex- expect a lot from you. When I really notice that fans appreciate me is when they notice on my social media all the other things that I do, that I am mm-hmm. nerdy and that I am an activist and I will openly talk about policy. And it's fans that when they are grabbing onto those little nuggets that are kind of yeah. sprinkled on everything I do. That's when I'm like, oh, you you actually do see me because it's about being seen. Very parallel to the drag kind of. Right? It, it, it makes me think if there's there's a weird level of expectation because you're a public figure amongst a, like a, a minority group. Yeah. So potentially we have a... Because representation matters sometimes, right? Like if, if yeah. the representation isn't there and you're in a public sphere and you have the spotlight, there is extra pressure because you're repping your community and all that kind of thing. Like I feel being an advocate um, for sex worker rights, the recent decrim stuff here in yeah. Victoria that's all happening. I feel that pressure. I feel I feel that um, 
platform and my need to perform well because of that. And I think it's the same for queer people, but particularly like queer people of color, even on our limited media are even more so feeling that pressure because it's like, oh, like you're, you're an indigenous drag queen. And I, like, and this is the first time that I've seen anyone that's like me and reflecting me. And I mm. think that what happens in, in porn, but there is a lot of like, it's just like a muscly white dudes most of the time Mo- um, yeah. and and to get that representation is even harder because it requires the studios to cast differently and then the audience to uptake it in a certain way and because racism and other things are so systemic in this and and it, like, it all happens at such a minute level because porn is about consumption and selling the product if those products don't sell as well they don't cast in that way yeah. so it's it's complicated to create change in porn as well it's almost a whole nother episode because Sorry. Then I, <laughs> no because then i start to think it's so true like i feel representation in in pornography has come a long way i yeah. i do see a lot more people of color in studio produced pornography yeah. than when i was exploring my sexuality but then I think back to what an impact, like profound impact that had to start looking into like what gay sex is and what, how it works even. And, and what all I had was kind of white muscly, you know, the opposite of what I am basically. and, And it's also like about desirability as well. Like, so on some level you're socialized to find that desirable and it is just like, it's not like, being hit with a fugly stick at all yeah. like like we're, we're socialized about desirability and mm. it's connected to so many power dynamics and whiteness is one of them like sex education that comes out of porn is really lacking even though it actually is for so many people whether they are queer or straight or and 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 anything in between any anything on any I don't want yeah. to say spectrum because that feels too linear on the miasma of se- yeah. sexuality on the love bubble porn is often the first time that you are going to encounter sex in some way so why not like i don't know why can't we make it a little bit more accessible and educational for young people it makes me think of the responsibility that a porn studio has socially because it for me it took about 10 years to realize that there are people that actually find you desirable you're just not represented in any of the sort of media you consume skinny Asian podcast is, is, is a vibe. Yeah. It just poses a question of what the social responsibility is there, but it's a, it's a business. And, and like, I, I guess so, circling back to some of our earlier points is like porn stars and porn performers are a very accessible face of these studios. Mm. But I, I don't want to downgrade the downgrade the power and agency we have, because we do have power. We do have agency, but the casting decisions are so far up the chain is that the responsibility of a performer to go without money and an opportunity to create change that isn't in their hands anyway? Like it's, it's really complicated. Mm. Uh, obviously you can tell that I'm doing my master's in social policy and I <laughs> think about problems a lot. And Yeah. And the funniest thing is you could take that snippet and frame it that we were doing a drag race themed episode. Right? And it would totally apply the casting yeah. and, and, I want to throw out a reminder to our listeners that if you care about the casting decisions in your media that you consume, comment, comment, and and make sure you're not just my burnt pick is like it's fun to make fun of basic white gays on Twitter or whatever, yeah. but they're not making the casting decisions. No, no. So and 
if you think up a really funny tweet about how there's no people of color on drag race down under, make sure Stan's the one that sees it. Yep. Like, and make sure World of Wonder or the people that see I, your funny tweet. Our voice is really powerful no matter what it is. And that's one thing that I've learned in being an activist, in the in being in the in sex work, in agency, mm. um, all of the all of those sorts of things that I've cultivated. But you've got to be using it in the right ways. Like make sure Stan see it. That can also be an email that you send directly to them asking them those questions. Like porn studios um, read the comments on on their big releases. So what a job that would be. Right? <laughs> um, but like but like if you're really that's how they know who's popular or not because it's getting likes and and that people are asking to see Max Aryan fuck such and such and all that kind mm. of stuff. So put put those comments there and be like why don't you cast more people of color in your DVD releases? Individuals still have power. Um, mm. And the only way we can do that is if we speak up. And and sometimes like if you if you put your hand up to speak up, you have to step out with that and take the action that isn't yeah. just complaining into the ether. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's actually creating a little bit of change. Fully agree. I think in lockdown, we've gotten used to screaming into the void. Oh, so much. And, and it's always a good reminder that your screaming in the void can actually have an impact in the world. Totally. If you sort of weaponize it in the right direction. And we're so good at it. That's basically what we do. You know, we are the best people at finding a funny, engaging way to elicit social change. It's basically in our DNA. So just a reminder, but also same thing as we were saying before if you just want to scream into the void because you've been oh God, inside everyone will harmonize feel free to do it it'll be a lovely song well thank you so much for joining us well, usually this is a very family friendly show sorry so um our demographics is like pre-teen kind of 10 to 13 mm-hmm. market um so, so we cut will cut out all my smart where can uh followers and listeners find you online and see some of that that other side of the work that you do as well so best place to follow me at the moment is my twitter which is max arian xxx i'm also on instagram which is max arian underscore the pony and like all my links to my OnlyFans and other platforms are on those and like i said i'll be migrating eventually probably by the end of the year is is the plan so keep an eye out for where i land and hopefully we can get you back on sometime because i feel like i actually feel like we got about 30 percent through <laughs> what we could the achieve tip of the iceberg <laughs> just a tip just a tip. you know circled a lot of very juicy potentials yeah I, I, think, I think sex, sexuality, sex work and things like that, they are juicy and they it's because in wider conversations they are taboo or strangled in, in different ways. So having avenues like this to talk openly is very exciting. You can come back in now, Bumblebee. We're finished. You know, I used to produce porn too. What, what are you even talking about? I made really progressive porn which deconstructed the internalized misogyny and male gaze within all of us through surrealist objects luke what is, who was in your videos then god there wasn't anyone like in the videos okay porn doesn't have to just include sex like what is this 1990 so there was no one in the videos and there wasn't any sex 
Yeah, they were like grapefruits, and I'm not sure what that's even supposed to be. I knew you just don't worry. You don't get it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's not for a mainstream audience, I guess. 